for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. If you can turn to the person beside you and say, just tell them it's not about you. It's not about you at all. It's not about you at all. You know, why I'm saying that is very simple. Because it's all about God. The Bible says it now. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God. You see, the test would have been different if it's about us. It wouldn't say in the beginning, God. But it says in the beginning, God. And the Bible says that God says, look, my ways are not your ways. Neither my thoughts, your thoughts, as the heaven is far from the earth, so are my ways to your ways. So God has his own ways. And this morning I was wondering if Peter's actually peeped into my note. <laughs> because God has a plan. He said in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, he says, look, I have a plan for you to give you a future and a hope. So that when we look at what God does, God has a plan. The test we're looking at is Nehemiah chapter number one, which is um, where I would like us to start. That is the test I've been reading for the past. Uh, I couldn't even find it in the Bible again. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Akaleah, and it came to pass in the month, Chisleu, Chisleu is about November, December, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Anani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews, that had escaped, which were left in the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then Nehemiah went to pray after that. Now, the record we have there is about the captivity in Babylon. When the of Israel were taken to captivity. And, I mean, when you look at that, you think about the song written by Bonham, yeah. Psalms 137, by the rivers of Babylon. There we sat down, then we wept when we remembered Zion. And Zion is the house of God. 
They wept when they remembered Zion, the house of God. In Isaiah chapter number 28 and verse 16, the Bible says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, I lay in Zion a foundation of stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believe will not be in haste in Zion. So that when you talk about Zion, you talk about the church. And when you touch the church, you touch the heart of God. When you touch the church, you touch the heart of God. It says, I lay in Zion a foundation of stone, a precious kind of stone. If you go forward in Acts chapter 4, verse 11, Peter was telling them, the stone which you rejected, the same has become the chief cornerstone. That stone is Jesus. And therefore, Nehemiah was sad. You can see how passionate he is for the house of God, for Zion. And when I was studying through these, I was saying to myself, how passionate am I? For God. Now, when it comes to passion, is in the art of God. Before we go there, let's look about the plan of God. You see, man cannot help God. He says, I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything impossible for me? That is God. He can do anything. But God has a plan where he puts man in his plan. We were talking about God's plan this morning for us. God puts us in his plan. So that if you keep trusting your own synthetic plan, it fails all the time. But God puts us in his own plan. And let me tell you something. I have no doubt that you are in the plan of God this morning. Because if you're born again, the Bible says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal bodies by the same spirit. You are in God's plan. But what are you doing about the plan? When it comes to zeal, which is passion, um, Psalms. Psalms was saying that, look, the zeal of the house of the Lord consumed me. That was the song we used to sing those days. The zeal of the Lord consumes me. It burns in my soul. A driving force that cannot be stopped. A fire that cannot be quenched. What are you doing about God's plan for you? You are in God's plan. Because everyone I know, they say the same thing. I want to work for God. What can I do for God? I'm busy. I cannot do it now. No. Everyone that God has called, he has called them from their place of business. It doesn't call it about, no. The Bible spoke about Elisha. The Bible said Elisha was a man walking on a field and was driving 12 yokes of oxen. 12 yokes of oxen? I would like to see his muscles. He was busy when God called him. And God is always a, man, a God of one man. Usually he uses one man. 
when it was time for him to, 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 to name the animals, he called Adam. Adam, name these animals for me. Then Adam started naming all the animals. That was Genesis chapter 2. Then he got to Lion. Thou shalt be called Lion. Oh, thou shalt be called Elephant. Oh, and he named all the animals. God made Adam to do that. When it was time for God to raise a new family for himself, he got a man called Noah, Genesis 6, and said, Noah, you shall build an ark. And nobody saw an ark before. It was the first time. I mean, the guy's dilemma. It was the first time somebody was going to, and people were like seeing him and telling him, look, are you stupid? Can't you see? You're building a ark? What are you doing with this? I'm going to keep all the animals there. Keep animals there? What's wrong with this man? But he bought the shame. He walked with it. God said, I should build an ark. And we know the rest of the story. The same thing happened to Nehemiah. When it was time for, 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 for God to, 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 to turn around the garden that was, the, the, the gate that was broken and called Nehemiah, people told him, look, why are you wasting your time? It's not going to work. Should we talk about David? You see, we talk about David all the time and we think about David and Goliath and David slew Goliath. Let's go back a bit. David was not a man to go to war. For Samuel 17. When the brothers were drafted into the military, David was there. And they said, David, go tend the sheep. And David went his way to go tend the sheep. After 40 days, the brothers, they've been fighting in the war. The father said, look, David, come and take food to your brothers in the battlefront. They've been fighting for 40 days. And David did what? What he knows how to do best. Serving. He started by serving the sheep. And now he took his bushel and the bag and went to the war front to go give, to go serve his brothers. And God promoted David from the place of service to the place of glory. The Bible said he carried his bushel and the bag. And when he got there, the passion of God, the zeal of God came upon him. And he said, who is this man talking about my God this way? And that was when he got into warfare with Goliath. And if you read that text very well, when Goliath was raining the courses and looking at this small boy, the small boy too went back to rain his own courses with his own God, by his own God. And of course, we saw what happened afterwards. He had his bushel and he had his bag. In the bushel was the food. In the bag was the sling. And of course, the popular story we know, he took the stones and he did that. Before that, they asked him, what is your CV? Do you know how to fight? No, I don't know how to fight, but I remember very well when I was fighting, when I was standing in the ship, the place of service, place of reference. I saw the lion and the bear. They took my ship. I ran after them. I took it back from there, and I killed the lion. I killed the bear. Come on. Who is this one? I'll kill him. 
It's as simple as that. God has a plan, and he puts men in his plan. And the men are always from the place of service. We want to talk about Moses. Moses was going on his own, not talking to God or anything. Then God distracted him. Look, I will take you to go do something for me. And God drafted him to go see Pharaoh. And all the way, God was with Moses. All the way. You can tell, all the way, God was with Moses. When it was getting too hot, Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, I think it was, God said to Moses, look, you go tell Pharaoh, Israel is my first son, my firstborn. If you don't allow my firstborn to go worship me, I will kill your first sons. And he did it. That is how strong the God we're serving is. What are you doing in the place of service? Back to Nehemiah. When Nehemiah heard about the situation of the people, because there are two reports that was given to Nehemiah there. First was the people. The people were in great trouble, afflicted, disgraced. Then the gate. The gate is down. The gate is out of place. It's been burnt. Two things. Then he remembered the house of God. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. This particular instance, situation was dated back to 445 BC. In 465 BC, the king at the time was Artaxerxes. He stopped the work of the temple. And Nehemiah was like, ha, huh, what is this? It saddens his heart. And he wept, wearing sack clothing. He fasted before anything at all. And that is the way to get into service. You look at it, God is leading me to this one, or this is what is on the ground. The Bible says whatever you find your hands finds to do, you should do what? Do it with all of your heart. And that is why the place of service is very, very important. When you're with God, God has saved you for one purpose, to serve. You see, every other thing that comes out of our salvation is just a fringe benefit. It's just a fringe benefit. The purpose he has saved us is to serve. And in the midst of serving him, we get all sorts of blessing. Nehemiah, the cupbearer to the king. Now, let's look at Nehemiah for a minute. Nehemiah was a cupbearer, remember? Now, imagine Buckingham Palace. The queen or the king has a cupbearer. 
there must be a relationship between the cupbearer and the king, knowing that if the cupbearer should put poison in the king's drink, the king is dead. That means the person that wants to be a cupbearer must be a trusted person by the king. There will be some evenings that the king has sat down and is not happy, and he calls for wine. And Nehemiah will be there and say, King, you're not happy tonight. I hope everything is okay. Maybe kneeling down before the king. I hope everything is okay. What is happening? And the king will pour that out to Nehemiah. The people in this province are in this trouble. So Nehemiah is part of the political structure of that country. A trusted man of the king. By the time we go to chapter 2 of that Nehemiah, you can tell that the king has a relationship with Nehemiah. Because he asked Nehemiah, why is your countenance? You don't like this all the time. What is wrong with you? The king paid that attention to Nehemiah. What is wrong with you? Why are you not your usual self? And he was able to poise that out to the king. So Nehemiah was not a nobody in that province. But he had a heart. He had a job. From that job, God has called him. May I say this to us this morning? If you're saying you're busy and you can't do anything at all for God, look, that, okay, when I retire, I'll come and do it. Or when I have time, I'll come and It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, I can tell you. The time is now. The time is now to do what, I mean, it's not just for God, it's not just for the church, sorry. It's for God, not for the church. Your neighborhood, what are you doing with your neighbors? Are you talking to your neighbors? Do you care about your neighbors? It's still part of it. For the church, what needs doing? Can I fit in? And it's not just doing, giving. I do tell my wife all the time that, look, the money we earn is not even enough. Therefore, I'd rather give to God. And when I'm stuck, I'll run back to him and say, God, remember I gave you that money. Please have mercy on me. I need to pay these bills. And he does answers. I can give you several testimonies about that. That's even no longer a testimony because it's done several. So what you have, you want to give to the, to, to, to the kingdom. Your capabilities, your strength, everything to the kingdom for the love of the king. I wrote in my note, what is passion? It says the strong feeling of enthusiasm and ex- or excitement for something or about doing something. A feeling. How do you feel about God? What do you really, what do you, what do you take God for? What, what, how do you feel about God? What is, your, what is your take for God? The Bible says in John 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, for, so, for God so loved the world. Look, 
The text would have been different if the Bible says, for God loved the world. They're not two, they're, they're, they're two different things. But it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In 1 John 3, 16, it says, herein is the love of God made manifest that while we're yet sinners, Christ died. We're still sinners. Christ died. Before I was born, he knew about me. He died for me then. And that is the passion of Jesus. When we look at the cross, look, Jesus could have gotten away with the cross. I can assure you. When they came to him and said, are you the Christ? He said, thou said, and they all fell back. So for someone to now nail his hand to the cross, it's just because he obeyed his father. And when we look at the cross, what do we see? We see pain. When Jesus looks at the cross, it's his passion. His pain became his passion. Became his passion. At times, it's painful. But when we are passionate about it, we're able to do it. A lot of things are happening in Gateway now. I thank God for Gateway. It's the place to be. We're talking about Wyvern. For me, I've been making bold statements about Wyvern. For I know whom I've believed. And I'm persuaded he's able to do beyond my expectation. We can start having big plans. I'm having big plans. All you have to do is to look and to tread how God is working. When you look at how God is working and you know God, you can tell, yes, in this one, God is in it. Look, for people that know the story about Wyvern, ask them about every milestone that God has taken that project through so far. It was painful. They were passionate about it. And God is doing it. And God is doing it. How do we serve God? How do we move into the flow of God as for us? A lot of people God has used, God will pick one man or one woman, Mary Mary Magdalene, for instance. When God was about to announce that Jesus has risen, the angels spoke to Mary Magdalene. Queen Esther the cousin to Mordecai. God used her in a wonderful way. Not just men. Women too. God always have his plan. In service, there is so much to be given. I understand that. But when we understand the passion, when we have the passion that goes with it, we don't even feel it now, while preparing this message, God took my heart to something which happened to me a long time ago. Not a long time, a few years ago. And um, that time, I was juggling between 
my work, which is consulting work, and lecturing, because I do lecture also, and home, and church. Now, I drive to Nottingham. From Nottingham to Twickenham for lecture. Work at Nottingham, Twickenham for lecture, and then I'll come back to Deal, where we used to live, you know, home. Then the church is also there. Because I was quite busy also at church. When I look at those days, I think I had a better life those days than the life I'm having now. Because it seems so choked up, and the place where I get that, oh, thank God, and that presence of God, and just be alone with God, is when I get to church and I do some work for God and sit down there and pray with him and, and, and sit down and talk to God, then it leads me into what else to do. That was the best of life I had. And I can say that when you're busy for God, you won't even feel it. You won't even feel it, especially if you do it kind of work I do, whereby everybody looks for you for wisdom. People have been there for six months, for 12 months, they don't know the solution. But when a child of God gets there, God will tell him, look in that direction. And he looks, that's where the solution is. Oh, that has happened to me several times. So when there is passion, passion is about zeal. Zeal is about faith. And that faith must lead to action. So when there's passion, I love God. I care so much about God. What are you doing about it? Are you relevant to God? Are you in God's plan? What, what was the last thing he told you to do? That's diligence. Oh, I don't have time right now. No, you're not in God's plan. When you're in God's plan, you make time available to God. And the Bible says the king's work demands urgency. You have to walk fast with it. That passion leads to prayer. The Bible spoke about Elijah in James chapter 5, verse 17. It says Elijah was a man of like passion. Meaning Elijah was a man like us. And he prayed that there will be no rain for three years. And there was no rain. Then he prayed again that there will be rain. And rain came. God sees passion. And God fulfills passion. The same Elijah, if you remember, when he had to deal with the 450 prophets of Baal, he told them, look, enough is enough. Let's stop dilly-dallying about whether God is God or Baal is God. Let us now talk about it and set a sacrifice in place. That was a very, very big one. Then the bar prophet, they said their sacrifice and they were praying and slaying themselves and doing all sorts of things. Morning to night, no fire came down from heaven to consume the offering. Elijah said, is your God asleep? Wake him up. Make some sound to wake him, shake him up or something. And when it was turned for Elijah to pray on the offering, he 
He said, can you please put some water? Look, if you want fire to come, you don't put water. He said, put some water on the offering. They put the water on the, on the, on the altar. Then he called the God Almighty. And the fire came down and consumed the offering. The Bible says the effectual and fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Then fire came. Our passion for God goes more into even what do you think about how God is portrayed on the outside? When people talk about God in a way that I don't like, I get bothered, I tell you. No, that's not my God. That's not my God. For I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to do that which I've committed unto him, unto that day. Apart from the people in the Bible, if we talk about men like us that has done great things for God, I was reading about the uh, uh, story of Hudson Taylor, a missionary. At 21, he went to China. Then went back again. I think it's from England, actually. And went back again to China. And today... You talk about church in China. You cannot talk the history of church without touching or Taylor. He stood against all the pain, against all the, all the, all the, he stood against all the odds to institute God in that country. Yours may not be China. It may be on your street. Yours may not be even on your street. It may be to the next door neighbor, the one down your, the flat below you. There's another man in Nigeria I, I, I used to like a lot. His name is Benson Idaosa. When I grew up in Nigeria and I got to become born again, being born again was a concept that was actually Benson Idaosa's concept. We didn't know about that until when Benson Dowser came. And the city where he was preaching in Benin City is known for serious idolatry. So that every house has got their idols in front of the house. That is the idol they worship. And Benson Dowser was in this city. Long story short, by the time the wave of the Holy Spirit came, everyone took their idols. The ones that didn't throw it away, they put it to the back of the house. And like Nehemiah, Idaosa would talk to government functionaries how the country should be run, how things should go, what God is saying. We may not go that far. We may not be doing that at the moment, but in our estate, what are we doing? 
I know people in this church where, where they feel things are going wrong, they go for a prayer walk. That is still service. A prayer walk. Are you joining with people to say, look, let us pray about this event. Are you caring enough to pe- with people that you know exactly what they are going through and you can go and serve them? Some people have been to us to serve us. I'm not a garden person. So if you give me a house with a garden, you end up having a forest. <laughs> and I struggle with that. Some people came with their lawnmower to come and help me. Look, it is how to do it. I don't like it. That is serving us. And you see, the thing about God is it demands everything from us. And Apostle Paul got it right. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. And in Philippians chapter 3, he was talking about, look, I'm not saying that I've attained yet. But this one thing I do, forgetting the former things, I press to the mark of the eye calling. He press. That means there's a resistance. And it keeps moving to the mark of the eye calling. That is actually God's plan for us. We're not there yet. We need to keep pressing. We need to keep working at it. We need to say, look, where God, what can I do for you again? Because when we see what God has done for us, you want to say, look, God, how can I reciprocate? How can I, how can I be, be? And look, the two laws, love your God, love the Lord thy God, and love your neighbor as thyself. Are we fulfilling these laws? How are we serving? What are we doing about service? And there are many needs there. Many needs. Why I love Gateway is the fact that um, Gateway gives us the opportunity to serve. Suddenly there was a project called ESOL. Then there are volunteers that goes to serve on that project. Now we're talking about marriage. Eh? For kids, 0 to 10, there's an opportunity there to serve. Very soon we'll be having Wyvern in Jesus' name. Very soon we'll be having Wyvern. There will be a big opportunity. And let me just say this because I'm feeling strong about this. You see, God is opening up the doors for us. And when the doors get opened, we have to launch in. And now the solution to one problem is the creation of another problem. When we move from hub to the new hub in Wyvern, it's now bigger then the work we'll be doing is now bigger. And that is, that is the way God is. We've been talking nations. I tell you, nations, nations is, is, now, is, now, is now knocking at the door now. He's knocking at the door. You see, with God, there is never a demilitarizing zone. If you're not fighting, they are fighting you. We have an enemy. If we're going to take this town for God, 
We have to know that we have an enemy and we have to go for it. We don't have to think about what people are saying or what the government is saying. You know, government has nothing to offer. I'm sorry to say, nothing to offer. I believe in the government of God. The Bible spoke about Jesus. He says he's the wonderful counsel of mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He says the government shall be upon his shoulder. That's Jesus. We operate under the government of God. And that's the purpose why we serve. The opportunities are there. It's just for us to plug in. Of course, we all know that when we plug into God, God blesses us. When we plug into what God is doing, God blesses us. We're going to pray about it. Because the Bible says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. Prayer is very important when it comes to making a choice about our passion. At times, we find out even the passion we have is not enough. God is able to give you more love for him. Then we begin to say, God, this is how I'm going to apply myself to you. This is how I'm going to go with you. Get into God's plan. Begin to walk circumspectly in God's plan. And that's where the blessed is. If you're in God's plan, God takes care of you. If you're in God's plan, God takes care of you. When Elijah prayed and said there will be no rain in the land for three years or three and a half years, he was also in that land. He didn't enjoy rain at all. The rain didn't fall. So he was also being punished by the rain not falling. But God takes care of him. The raven was feeding Elijah. When you are in God's providence, God takes care of you. Nehemiah. Nehemiah prayed. And one thing you're going to see there is that Nehemiah prayed the heart of God. Nehemiah knew the word of God. Because if you read the prayer and, uh, and said, he said, Oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keeps covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandment. Let your ears now be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night. He prayed the word of God. Remember, in verse 8, remember, I beseech you the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, if you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandment, in verse 9, and do them, though they were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heavens, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. He reminded God, of what he has spoken about. God is good for every open check he raises. Go back to God and say, God, this is what you said. You see, he says, says, the word I speak to you, 
their spirit and their life. Every word of God has got the power, the dynamis that makes it happen. Every word of God. He prayed the word of God. God, this is what you said. I've had instances where I will open the Bible and say, God, this is it. You said this. I want to see this come to pass. Then I'll sit down with it until I see it come to pass. And that's where prayer comes in. For you to pray, you need to know what to pray about. You need to know what the word is saying. The word I speak to you, their spirit and their life. And it says, come, let us reason together. That is God saying that. Come, let us reason together. Come, let's talk together. It says, though your sin be as scarlet, I'll make it to be white as snow. And this morning, if you're here and you're not born again, yeah, it does happen. That is the best decision I made about 31 years ago. Turning back to God. Don't need to do anything. It is a come as you are party. Turn up and come to God. God, I'm here for you. And I'll tell you straight away what it's going to do. It's going to change your heart. It's going to give you a heart of flesh. You become sensitive to him. Then you're now his own. When you belong to God, nothing can snatch you from him. Jesus said, the ones you've given to me, I'm going to keep to the end. Nothing will snatch them away from me. If you're here, you're not born again. And God is talking to you right now. Look, it's the right thing to do. That's the right way to go. I won't call anybody up, but look, get anyone on the way to the to get to just grab someone and say, look, what that guy was talking about, I need it in my life. And they will pray for you. If you can grab me, grab me, yeah. We do it. God wants you in his plan. And I want us to stand up to pray together. Please. I want us to stand up to pray together. Then we'll be able to worship after that. This morning, I think God wants to hear your voice. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if yours is the loudest or the... the God, but God just wants to hear your voice. Speak out to him. He listens for your voice. And just tell him, God, my heart is for you. I want you more than any other thing in my life. Tell him how much you appreciate him. Speak to him. That God, my heart is for you. Don't be gentle about it. Speak up to him. Speak up to him. In the house of God, there is liberty. Speak up to him. Speak up to him. Oh, thank you for your love for us, oh God. Thank you for the life that you've given unto me, oh God. Father, I want more of you in my life. I want more of you in my life, oh God. 
Without you, I'm nothing, oh God. But with you, I'm everything, oh God. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Lord, I want more of you in my life, oh God. Yes, I want more of you in my life, oh God. Yes, Lord. I want to serve you more, oh God. I want to be useful in your hands, oh God. I want to be more useful in your hands, oh God. I want to serve you with everything I've got. With everything I've got. I want to serve you, oh God. With everything I've got. My intellect, my, 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 my resources, everything, oh God. They all belong to you in the first place, oh God. I want to serve you, oh God. Yes, Lord. I want us to pray again concerning the way God is leading us at the moment. Mm. That God, you say you build your church and the gate of hell will never prevail against it. Mm. The way you are leading us at the moment, God, have your way. That God, have your way. Have your way in totality. In the way you are leading us, have your way in totality, O God. Let there be no room for any man to glory, O God, but for you, your glory alone to be, to be seen, O God. Yes, Lord. <laughs> The way you're leading this church, oh God, Father, we say not unto man, oh God. It is your purpose. It is your purpose. It is your purpose, oh God. Yes, Lord. Lord, be glorified in this place, oh God. Have your way in this place, oh God. Yes, Lord. Have your way in this place, oh God. Yes, Lord. Have your way in this place, oh God. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name.